Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. You know what I'm going to say and I know you want to click forward but please before you do just hear me out. The Tortoise Shack has no ads, no sponsors. We rely entirely on you dear listeners to pay it forward, to keep the podcast free. If you get something out of it please give something back. It's really simple. You click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise and you help us keep the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to hear keep happening. I know you're fed up of me asking, but I'm fed up of having to ask. Believe me, I don't want to have to do it, but we don't live in the socialist utopia that I dream of. And until we do, we need you guys to pay the fiver a month or whatever it is you can to create that little bit of space that helps us branch out the platform to keep those stories that you want to hear about and the voices you don't hear anywhere else. We know it's hard out there. We get it. We cover the cost of living crisis more than most but we also have a cost of living crisis or cost of keeping mics on crisis. And the only way that changes is if a couple of you chip in at patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Today, I'm joined by um, another artist who's engaging, artist, musician, uh, who's engaging with the housing crisis. And it's been really inspiring over the last couple of years to see the explosion and flourishing of Irish artists, musicians, uh, creatives who've been engaging with the housing issue and the housing crisis and we've had the Fela housing um, crew from Galway on here, we've had Spice Bag, we've had Asbestos um, and now we have who can, I we, think... can we say we've also Martin Lee several times for Martin's thing He's... I was about to say Martin as well who's who had his year protest at the Dáil singing Everybody Needs a Home the list is actually growing which is fantastic and of course Emmett Kerwin the original um, and we had Claire Dunn as well and Accents and, and there really is this and it was something that um, I had really hoped years ago when I had talked about this and we can't of course talk about this without mentioning Blind Boy either um, and of course the, the issue is in many ways um, the fact that artists can't afford to live in this country anymore but listen we're joined uh, delighted to have on Meryl Streak um, who is described in many ways as Ireland's new, new or not so new, politically outspoken Irish avant-garde punk uh, producer, creator. And uh, he has released, produced a new song, which has just been released today. We're recording this before, but uh, on the 16th of May, which will be out today, um, a new song, which is attacking the eviction ban. And it is called If This Is Life, Meryl. Thanks so much for coming on Reboot and thanks so much for making the song. Thanks for having me, both these lads, Tony and Rory. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Uh, we're going to have a chat now shortly, but we're going to play the song first because it'll give people a sense of uh, of what it is. So here you go. This is If This Is Life, the new uh, single by Meryl Streak. Have a listen. Uh, see what you think. I think you'll like it. I want to own a gas for the seat. See if dreams can be made I wanna grow kale and count snails in the back Nail melted stains stabbing my back I wanna draw pictures and make a living And I wanna see what real life is about 
So there we go. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. There's a great. I love the uh, the uh, not uh, being in any way a music uh, expert. I love listening to music, but absolutely not a fucking note in my head. Uh, I love the tune and the the words as well. I think really powerful. Merrill, where did it come from? Uh, <laughs> well, when I wrote the first album, seven and six, I kind of did an extra batch of songs so I wouldn't be kind of tied up down the line to uh, kind of stress getting more music out. So I kind of always had that song sitting there. 
Right. And as my frustration being back living in Ireland for the last year and a half grew more and more, I, I knew I had to pick up from my mistakes from the first album. I kind of went, uh, I went a little bit too full on, a bit too heavy, too aggressive. It's not something I regret, but I wanted to give the DJs finally something that maybe they could play, something to get, could maybe get and win over the younger generation in Ireland and kind of make them to see a little bit um, into the future what's actually happening in Ireland as we speak. So that's where it came. I wanted to make it radio friendly, um, just nice song with kind of a smart meaning behind it, you know, so that's kind of where it started. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Just want to on you. So, so on the 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 fact that you had it in the can. What mm. was the evolution between when you when you had the idea for it, the concept most were put down, and then seeing things devolve, de- de- not evolve. Did you? Yeah, pretty much. Did you? Did you? Did you? You know, pluck at it, and and you know, as most artists do, and they, was it they say no, no, no piece of art is ever finished; it's just abandoned. Was it at that stage where you said, "I have to pluck at this again." Tony, it's so weird with me because because I'm not a singer and because I'm not like uh, I'm not doing anything like Tom Jones or anything like that. It's like I can literally make a song and go in the following day and do spoken word over it. It's very, it's it's a lot easier. I feel like I'm cheating the system in a way, you know, because it's a lot easier. So it, there was no real planning put into it. I just kind of wrote the lyrics a couple of days before I went in and just did it. Yeah, that's how it works. And in terms of just the reaction, because you've played it at a couple of gigs, you sent it on to me, and obviously uh, uh, listeners might have recognised uh, my dulcet tones in the song. Uh, you decided to stick me in there. Um, obviously, you asked me first, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was you were you played it. You sent it. You played it in London, uh, the one hundred and one, um, and yeah, the reaction seemed good. Is it? What's the reaction been to it? Because you played Man, a couple of gigs been... since. It's been honestly incredible. It's been going down the best that it all set, and that's kind of what's making us really excited now about it. That it's, um, well, also as well, Rory, we've been watching this project grow for the last, since November 4th, we've just been watching it grow and grow, like, and it's been insane. We're nearly a half a million streams online now, with the album alone, just since November, and the, re- the reception has been brilliant, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's really kicking off in the UK, you know, Ireland's a little bit slow, it's a little bit behind sometimes in the music, but, uh, yeah, it's just watching it grow has been really exciting and seeing where it's going. Like Rolling Stone have gotten on board and they've been speaking about it. Enemy will be next, but it's exciting, you know? It is really exciting to watch something grow like that. That's fantastic. Fair play, it really is. It's um half a million streams. Wow. Yeah, and it's only it's only been since November 4th, man. So that's the real that's the real thing. It's it's a bit mad. And like I had some woman fly from New York City on her own to Paris to see me, you know, and like like she met me outside at two o'clock. She was trembling, like near crying and stuff, man. And that, like, to me, that's why I made the album because she had a history with the church and stuff like that. And that's what it—that's what it was made for, man. Like, I I lost a lot of family over the years, and I just kind of thought these people need something. Do you know what I mean? Anything. It's like, just yeah. but uh, you, you said on the the, the so seven nine six is it the. the, the the, the whole basis for the album is the the Catholic Church's role in Mother and Baby Home Report. How how that has actually it was sort of like a tipping point, and it's an angry album, isn't it? It's like hundred oh, percent it is. Yeah, it's it's but it's something that I I want people to get something from, and a lot of people have approached me with it and said, "Look, it's just so nice to see someone fucking shouting this stuff." Like, because like I went through years of thinking about this, but I was in Vancouver when that case, the seven on six, kind of really kicked off, and I was just horrified, man. It brings me back to the Stardust and stuff like that, and I'm like, "What are these lads up to?" Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's quite horrifying that it's 
not really spoken about you know what I mean it's... but isn't it funny on the album 796 is probably the softest of, of those types of songs where where it is you know the likes of false apologies you are literally screaming at them oh man I'm, I'm fucking angry man like sorry I just I'm, I'm really just sick of the way Ireland handles things I think 8 years in Vancouver kind of puts your mind in a different perspective and then when you come back to Ireland you go these are just fucking dickheads in suits here. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's unbelievable frustration I have with the government at the moment. Man. It is. It's just insane, yeah, you know? It is very refreshing to hear the anger expressed because, you know, I've expressed it in many different ways. Lots of us have, you know, through protest, you know, through protest after protest, through different forms. And you sometimes, you feel at times you're, there's this constant pressure to water down your anger and to and to be respectful and not to express the rage and it was interesting I was at a meeting the other day in college with a senior civil servant and he started talking about community stuff and you know and and about cuts to communities during austerity and I said he said you know there was no there's no anti-community bias you know within the Irish state and I just said stop stop you know, austerity disproportionately hammered, you know, social housing, working class areas. And I felt afterwards, I kind of went, oh, my God, I wasn't very academic in, you know, I just said it, you know, strongly. I didn't shout. I didn't. But even those, you know, lit, but I felt so angry inside over this, you know, this constant, you know, this assertion of the way things are. And yet they're actually the complete opposite of that. The cult of civility, Rory. What do you say? <laughs> cult of civility that pisses me off all the time yeah but I, you know and you were in it too you know Tony in terms of how you react and we're constantly having a dialogue over back and I'm saying Tony you're going a bit too far there and yeah yeah it's like this constant and, 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 and I'm constantly saying to you come on push harder yeah <laughs> so fair play to you well, that, it's you, not it's not you must have thought one, about that though as well the one thing worry as well is like it's uh, it's it's therapy for me man like it really yeah. is therapy getting up there and it's free I don't have to spend nearly 100 fucking euro a session I get paid 100 euro to do my <laughs> sessions now which is great yeah uh, but the whole thing with Ireland and these fucking idiots is that it's just insanity it's gotten to the point now where I like I was over in France playing there a while ago and I saw their protest man and I'm just baffled the people in Ireland are not taking it to the next level at this point it's insanity and like, me and my friends, man, none of us have criminal records. It's nothing about that. It's just a natural anger that this is a piss take at this stage, you know? It's like 10 years of my life has been pissed up with rain because of these lads, and I'm just over it, you know? I really have. Eric, can I ask, can I push in and ask you, though? Because you, cause you talked, Rory introduced you as a punk uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a way, and I get that, and that's kind of that punk mentality of of, of protest. But I kind of, and... and uh, Rory used the word rage, and actually, I, I think of uh, you know, uh, was it uh, the 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 prophets of rage, which was the kind of the amalgamation of Chuck D and yeah, and, and, yeah, and rage against the machine, machine. <laughs> and 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 I hear echoes of Ice T's body count. If you remember them at all, when he man, Arno Brain sent me body count about three weeks ago. I no swear way. to God, he did, no, and I never heard them. Me and my ma listened to. Me. I I was oh, never heard that one. I was convinced because he, because Ice T, if you recall, uh, Rory, I don't know if you, you grew up on much uh, uh, I rap do. music. Fuck but, you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> yeah. but, but he was, he was told. I remember. He had to moderate. He had to moderate. And what he did is he came back instead of going, he went, came back with a, with a, a metal group. And no way. Was, yeah, and that was Ice T's metal group, and they were they were really so so. Yeah, that's that that's what you're on my my. But just show my age now, pal. That's yeah. All. 
Oh, it's crazy, man. Body came out of sent to me three weeks ago. Yeah. So where do you where do you think that it sits though? Uh, well, the whole concept with Meryl Streak is a funny one because I was in Vancouver. I wrote most of the album in Vancouver and I was thinking outside the box, lads, after 15 years playing in bands like in America and Canada, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to quit drinking, which I did. I'm, I haven't drank in about two and a half years now. And I said, I'm going to put everything I have into this. Fair and play. I'm going to make it meaningful. I'm going to make it one with people that they can get involved. I'll share posts on Instagram. I, I go against having egos. I don't agree with any of that rock star bullshit. I, I just said I'm going against the grain on every aspect. And essentially, I'm slagging people off and it's actually working, which is insane, you know? Sure. But the thing is, man, that I've said it since day one, it's it's not politics, it's personal, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to get a lot of angry kids, man. Like, every sound check that I did on that Irish tour, I had two little kids from raging from 9 to 13 come in because they couldn't see the gig. And I happily sat with them. I did a, little, a few songs for them. And But you can see that there's kids going to be pissed fucking off over the next few years lads and it's it's only the start you know and there's a lot of angry music in the uk doing the same thing and stuff and it's it's definitely refreshing to see you know and just on the, on the experience in vancouver you went over um around you said what seven eight years ago was austerity yeah, here so, and yeah. yeah and you left you know as as a as a victim of generation chucked out yeah. Generally, yeah, I was sacrificed. Yeah, I felt I was pushed on the plane and I was sent over there. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to go. That's the thing. I really didn't. And uh, I managed to stick it in for eight years because I kind of got settled at that point and I had a nice apartment, I had a great job. And it was just a better, much better way of life, you know. And then you came back. Ah, yeah. And then I came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because we're now, there was that wave of emigration from 20, 2009 until about 2015, 2016. And it was qu- about a quarter of a million people left the country. Many of them young. We lost 70,000 construction workers emigrated. And I remember back then, and because I think about this, in many ways I've been protesting and campaigning since, you know, it is, well, it predates that, but really full on, I feel like I've been in a battle. Since 1929. 1922, I remember. 1922, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not that freaking old. But really full on in at war with the state and what they've done since 2009. Um, And, you know, that wave happened. There was a quarter of a million. And and I remember Michael Noonan saying, ah, you know, sure, my kids are left as well. It's a lifestyle choice. And the anger of feeling around that. And I connected with emotions. And I write about this in gaffes and... and, um, around the housing emigration now, that there's another generation been forced again out of the, the country. And you hear it all the time and they're contacting me all the time. We've had them on the podcast, the teachers, the nurses, the, you know, the artists, they're just going, we can't live in this country now. And we actually can't afford to live here. Um, and the, there's this huge loss that happens and grief. And down through the decades and centuries, we have ignored that grief. The only way it's been expressed has been through you know, long um, <laughs> ballads. But in terms of an anger, there's never been an anger. There's never been a resistance. There's never been a, this is not okay. But I think- and that shocks that shocks me, Rory, though. It hasn't happened yet. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I just, I can't see this place, how it could possibly get any worse at the moment. It's just yeah. unbearable. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's quite frustrating, you know, that people aren't getting out there and kind of being a little bit more active in- protests and getting more involved you know and why do you think that is uh i can't really answer that but i will say one thing that i do notice that 
within my friend group and my kind of uh, close circle that people that would be getting out and protesting are the ones that are living in their parents' spare bedroom, you know, but the other people that have their house and they, they have a settled job and they're quite content in life, why would they go out and protest, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of that, you know, which is frustrating, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have any other answers. That. Yeah, I think that goes back to, that goes back to the difference between empathy and solidarity, Rory, that we talk about on this podcast over and over and over. Yeah. But also it goes to, and again, what I've, you know, in the research over the last two years, talking to young people who are affected by this, what comes across biggest is a sense of shame, a sense mm. of stigma, a sense of self-blame, and particularly the ones stuck in their parents' bedrooms going, like, what are we going to get out and say we're fucking failures? You know, we're stuck in our parents' bedroom. And that is the biggest thing I try to challenge on this, that it's not mm. your fault. It's not your fault. It's not. It's absolutely not, Rory. Like, that's the thing. I, I, up until the start of this year, I worked full time my whole life since I was 17. Do you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's people are working. Do you know what I mean? It's nothing to do with that. It's not about failure. It's just um, people are getting screwed, you know? And I feel, so, I feel so much more sorry for the people that never got to live anywhere else outside of Ireland because that's what really resets the brain, you know? Yeah. Seeing other countries actually work and people just being happy you know it's it's quite mad and coming back to dublin man and just seeing it in the state that it is right now is it's really sad you know it's, i love i love i love me city stop it now <laughs> <laughs> but no but i want to i want to ask come i know again rory i know i just want to ask going back to 796 right most of us know people who were affected by the mother and baby homes whether they were adopted whether they were you know extended family members or friends we know why was it that that particularly brought you to the point where this is the actual, this is the basis for an, not just a, a couple of songs, but for an album. What what was it to do with that for you? Um, it was when it was going through the papers that the government were trying to essentially silence this case that I just, it, it punched me in the gut, Tony, where I was like, man, that is just the ballsiest fucking move I've ever heard in my entire life. Like silence, one of the most heinous fucking crimes, let's say, in Ireland's history. And, I just it hit oh, you can just, you can you can say crime. They they won. Right, right. <laughs> they won in the high court. We know it was a crime. Yeah, but like I, I that punched me in the stomach, man. Like I've lost more family than I have fucking uh, CDs over the years, and I'm just like, I know what it's like to lose people, and especially like I can't even comprehend what it must be like to not have a voice on that topic. You know. Yeah, but you scream a line in in one of your songs where you scream, "If I had a brother, I want to know about it." Yeah, yeah, because I watched many interviews on. Uh, the brothers and sisters and there was one uh, that hit me the most was one of the lads from Tume. Uh, he was basically saying that he knew for a fact he had a brother and that was it he just that's it he's like he's he's old he's in his 70s now mid 70s and that you know essentially this guy's going to pass without finding out any solid details about this brother and that is just insanity to me that they have that power you know and that was the basis of 796 uh, and I just I just wanted to do something I just wanted yeah. to, yeah. And Meryl, you know, you talked there about loss and, and your family and, and, you know, if you want to, you know, talk about your dad. And, yeah, yeah, I don't you know, mind her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, my dad. My dad was a drummer in a band called Guernica for years, you know, and uh, he kind of got sucked into the whole music industry. But yeah, he went through the Christian Brother schools and all that. And, uh, and unfortunately, 2009, yeah, yeah, he killed himself, you know, so that was like a, a big loss for us. And then, Kind of after that, man, 10 years after that happened, it was like domino effect. It was very strange. Like everyone seemed to just drop like flies, you know? So I think it was mainly that as well. It was 10 years of building, building, building. And I just went, you know what? Like I have nothing to lose by 
just going a bit mad and doing something different here. And that's what Meryl Street kind of became, you know? Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, you know, the loss, you know, your dad dying and, you know, my own dad died when I was, you know, relatively young. I was 20 and, you know, he had cancer very sudden. Um, and it's, you know, when you lose parents and you suffer loss and grief and grief and it's sudden, you know, and, and so many ways unexplained, you know, it's it's a trauma. It's it's a it's a it's a deep scarring, and it is it takes time to come back from that. And I think it's you know, in terms of you, how did you address that or come through it, or you know, where do you see yourself um, now? I think where I didn't at the time. I think what happened was I probably did what most people or some people would do. I just went down. And I just kind of ignored it. You know, I drank okay. yeah. every fucking three days of the week. Yeah. and tried to maintain a job. Then when I got to Canada, I kind of started dealing with it a little bit better. I, I ran away from it, essentially, is what I'd done. And yeah. then I moved home here to kind of address it. But unfortunately, I'm at a backlog now because since I moved back from Vancouver to here, I've lost another maybe six family members that were quite close as well. So it's been a domino effect, you know. So uh, I lost my stepdad in five years ago, and I think that was the turning point for me. I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to just fucking... Um, just do something different, man. And you know, Rory, like every, every, I know you say you're not into music, but what I'm doing is not. Oh, I, I did. <laughs> well, I this like kind music. of music. I just don't. <laughs> I you're not into aggressive, go. aggressive punk music, shall we say. Well, every, every country has someone like me that's doing this stuff. But my trick with Meryl Streak was I wanted to get to a level that it can't be ignored. You can go into Fibber McGee's, you can go into any venue to work with and you can see people doing what I'm doing but I'm just putting it to pop music so the DJs will play it so I'll get to a certain to express my true anger you know what I mean I like with the punk scene man I love it I've always loved it but I don't agree with the mentality of let's play in these dive bars every Saturday night who, who the fuck is going to be listening to I, this I, I, do you remember oh, you come well I'm much older than you pal but it was a great thing when um, Green Day were playing the old SFX um, yeah I'd, I'd um they had sold it out and someone was saying, you know, a punk band shouldn't sell out a... a, 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 a like read. this? No, but the, no, but the best line was, was uh, Trey Cool went and goes, uh, what did you say to people who call you sellouts? He goes, he goes, I think that means there's no tickets left, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I thought, you know, Priceless, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but like that, that mentality, man, I just, I never understood it. It's like, I like with this, I said, no, lads, I want to get the message out there. I want to speak to these people. You know what I mean? If I can. I think, I think like there's always, because it's interesting, it parallels with the politics as well um, yeah. and campaigning. Because there's always people who are happy to talk to five people in a room or happy to get the 10 people who are around them to agree with them. And they're happy with that. And that is actually fine. You know, it's fine to have the play your music in the dive bars, but there's also a need, you know, or the small groups and and there's always a need for small groups and people because they hold things and they challenge ideas and they challenge and they create new things. But there's also a need to reach out into society. And that's kind of in a way what I've tried to do with my book and the writing of it in a in a, you know, a non overtly, you know, left political way, a non overtly academic way, but in a way anybody could pick it up and read it. Yeah. That you you at some level people say oh you're just selling out because you're not been really really radical and as Tony given out to me you're not really been angry Rory come on you've been uh, yeah. too oh. nice I, and and I think it's okay for me don't no, no, I just my flag out there but but yeah no. please no but you know and you know you've been too nice and um 
And I go, but yeah, but sometimes you have to do things, as you say, if you want to get the message out there. And that's what I think is so inspiring about you as well, is that you're not saying, oh, I want to fill up the stadiums because I want to be me and famous. I want to do it because I want to get this message out there. 100%. That's that's the only reason why I'm doing this, lads. And like, if if in the process I can fucking help people, that's incredible. Do you know what I mean? And it's so funny, man. I sell a lot of t-shirts, you know, because I, I do art as well. And I'm, I got a kind of keen eye for designs and stuff. So my t-shirts sell really well. Yeah. And even at that, lads, I'm not making money from this. I am literally surviving. That's it. You know what I mean? So yeah. It's, uh, this whole sell it out thing it's hilarious like I'm fucking just woke up on the sofa in Manchester you're, you're, there's no sell it out here you know it's uh, it's it's just trying our best you know yeah yeah well listen can, hopefully can, can I ask one oh yeah go thing. yeah yeah just on um, actually I remember your, your dad's band uh, yeah Gurnigan yeah because I was what age, Tony if you don't mind saying this in the podcast what age are you right, four, seven or two uh, anyway, fucking hell, man. You, I mean, you don't look that at all <laughs> but, 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 I, but, but I remember there was because we used to what age did he clarify he was? I missed it. Some I'm I'm the same age as you, Matt. <laughs> I'm the same. Actually, you you are you are you. What age did he tell you he was, Merrill? Did he say 43? 44. 40, he's 44. He's lying. Okay. He's he's lying. It's his birthday today. No, in a couple of weeks, Rory. You're you're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> it's my birthday on the weekend, and I'm 44. Yeah, 44. But yeah. with the, there's a few weeks between the two of us, and 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 uh, he's a lot faster when he runs. But um, I I, I but 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 my anger. Tony still like... has has uh, brown hair though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced he's he's putting something in it though. I tell you, the, the only the people think I have long hair. Like I keep telling them, it's just to hide the alopecia at the back of the head. That's all it is, lads. Um, the fear work. But, but just on on the on that piece. So obviously, you were brought up in music. You were brought. You were formed by music. But you also. Um, how to a, a, a grow for what your your dad did the, is is part of this also a tribute as well? Do you think? Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I do it for my family as well, man. You know, um, I I do it because I've been a drummer for fifteen years, man. I've been getting fifty quid a gig, and I say that like I played with like Liam Gallagher. I did some gigs with them back in the day, and like I've got a good little CV, but I've got nothing to show for it apart from backstage passes. And I'm like, you know what, lads, fuck this, like. And I just, I literally snapped lads and said, no, man, if you don't stick your neck out, you're, you're not going to get very far. And it's, it's kind of survival of the fittest in a way when you're up in this kind of game, you know, and I'm ready to take heads off with this, no matter how I do it, you know, that's, yeah, my dad would be a fight mentality that I have, you know, that I'm doing this for, um, yeah, I'm doing this for people and my family, definitely, yeah. We played Slattery's name and Doran's and the old rock garden. <laughs> and my first gig, man. My first gig was Fontaine's manager, Trev. He uh, he put me on at Dorns when I was about I, 14, 13, 14. And I had to sit backstage for about 12 hours so the bouncers wouldn't see me. Like, no, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, I was probably the one thinking he could drink sudden comfort in the front, at the front yeah, screaming yeah. at you. Uh, <laughs> I know. Look, uh, look congratulations I, on the success with, with the with the first album. Half a million streams is, is phenomenal. Uh, and people will, when they when you hear this, the new the new song will be embedded, but also will be the links to uh, Meryl's um, his, his socials and his solo tour that he's doing. Yeah. Do you want to let people know about that? Yeah, so I'm on tour at the moment with Kneecap, but uh, the end of this month, starting on the 22nd, I'm in Liverpool and then through the UK for about 12 dates. And um, yeah, it should be really good. The headline tour of the UK tickets are pretty much for a few of the dates nearly sold out now, so I'd expect it to be sold out by the time this is aired, you know? But right. if it's not, please check and try to get tickets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, thanks so much for... Uh, 
for making the music and uh, all you're doing for coming on and chatting to us and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat again along the way absolutely Rory and thanks Tony as well Please, thank you thank you listen Merle Street great there go check him out uh, great as I said to see uh, inspiring and hopeful hope in, in expression of anger against uh, what is happening around the housing crisis um, and a generation been sold out and sacrificed and it is um, generation getting its voice and I think it is going to lead to huge change. And of course, we have um, it's a lot of people saying to me there's an election next year, local elections and a general election within the next year and a half. And that generation is going to be voting. Um, and I imagine we're going to see huge, huge, huge change. But between now and then, there's a lot of things you can do. You can join the Tenants Union Katu, uh, get involved in the Fela Housing Group. With Uplift, we're doing meetings around the country, town hall meetings on the eviction ban. Um, and there is, of course, there will be more Raise the Roof events. There's a Raise the Roof protest in Cork coming up. We'll let you know about that. And also um, the Tathany House residents who are facing eviction are having a protest. Uh, James um, O'Toole and the group, they're organising that. That is on... June tw- June 2nd at noon they face eviction on that day um, and they're having a protest to stay in their homes so there's lots you can do to get involved around the housing issue and the housing crisis and I do feel that the music is an expression of culture and change and I do believe that the Irish people have decided that they want housing done differently, they want it as a human right and that now government and politics has to change but we need to get organised and make sure that happens so listen thank you Tony for producing as always now for the love of God if you're going to help Mulders also help us because we need <laughs> this This platform does not run for free yeah so so yeah. to give you if you are a lazy activist the easiest bit of activism you can do is throw us the price of a cup of coffee once a month on the old Patreon and I mean that genuinely we did so much work in April and we went backwards Rory it's it's actually heartbreaking when you when you yeah. try to put that much work like literally what I'd say 44 hours a week 45 hours a week worth of of, of production content editing publishing and 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 we're still lost making so yeah it's it's look it is what it is again thank you thank you to those who are patrons thank you so much you are keeping the show on the road um but as tony says it's not viable it's not sustainable to continue like this so um listen thank you so much and if you can please help us out independent media vital uh as an education process as well and as a place and a space for voices that uh are not being heard enough and given the space so listen thank you so much and as always share it around let people know and if you can become a patron we'll talk to you all very soon 